Welcome to Community Cocktails with Kimberly, hosted by Kimberly Woodard, a realtor who's been selling homes in North Texas with more than 21 years of experience. Join her every first and third Wednesday of the month as she meets with top community leaders, local businesses, and real estate industry experts to help you get to know the area you want to call home. Don't just love your home, love your community. And now your host, Kimberly Woodard. Welcome viewers to this episode of Community Cocktails with Kimberly. I am so thrilled about this episode. Um, we are gonna be highlighting Veterans Day um, that's coming up. And I have a wonderful guest um, to share with you. His name is Terry. He is um, from um, the Marines. And um, today we are going to um, talk about adversity. Welcome, Terry. Yes, welcome. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate that. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm so excited to hear you know, and have you share your story um, to my audience. Thank so. You. Well, let's give let's set the stage and um, you know kind of give the audience a little bit of background on you. Okay. And before I get started, I want to say to anyone that is a veteran or knows any veterans or has someone in their family, thank you for your service. I know Veterans Day is coming up and uh, it's a big deal, so uh, they give the ultimate sacrifice and uh, not only to veterans but those who support them. So thank y'all very much. Definitely, definitely. Well said. But my story, yeah, I served in the. I played, went to high school, obviously, like. Most of us did. Played a little college football and then uh, went to the Marines right after. Football didn't get to work out for me like I wanted, so I went to the Marines. Mm -hmm. They quickly whipped me into shape really quick. <laughs> First day of boot camp, I was like, maybe football practice wasn't so tough. Uh, so I served in the Marines, uh, four combat tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. Wow. I uh, went through a lot of adversity there, but overcame it. Uh, thankful to come home alive from that. And then when I got out of the Marines, I had started a fitness business. And just like a lot of, it was booming, everything was great. Then obviously COVID hit Yep. and people couldn't go to the grocery stores or do anything. The gyms were shut down. Right. So why are they going to pay me to give them fitness advice? Right. So I quickly found out, I was like, all right, this is not going to be sustainable. I had just got engaged and we were getting ready to buy a home. I know if I would have known her at the time, <laughs> you know, because she's also an amazing realtor, but I... I had to find out, I was like, what am I going to do to support my family right. and what can I do? I've only been like an entrepreneur. I've never really had like a real like W-2 job. Right. So then I got into the roofing industry um, as a sales rep and worked my way up and then had the opportunity to come in as a uh, partner in a, the company I'm with now, which is Experience Roofing. And my business partner and the CEO and founder, Jamie Stagg and his wife, Annie Stagg, have just been just a super amazing blessing to my family and I. And uh He's allowed me the opportunity to spread my wings and grow, and we're truly developing something amazing in the community. I love that. I love that. Well, let's you know talk about. Um, so back in February. Yes. So. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, back in February 27th, I and by mind you, I just got married last May. Mm -hmm. um, May, I was thinking about my little girl. My daughter's uh -huh. birthday is May 16th. Last oh. June, my wife's going to watch this. <laughs> June, I got married last June. And we were getting ready to go on our honeymoon. But there was obviously like a couple of hail storms. So we were so busy with work. Right. I didn't get to go. So we were all picked out. We were, I got her February 27th. I was supposed to go on my honeymoon March 4th. Okay. I woke up that morning. I had a homeowner in my neighborhood call me and say, hey, we have something going on. Can you come check out the attic for me? I was like, sure, no problem. I did not know at the time that the, uh, the plywood on the attic, there had been like a hot water heater or AC heat, um, AC unit leaking 
for a while, could have been probably a couple months. So the decking was really rotted. Mm -hmm. And I had been in this attic plenty of times before. So when I went in to pull the string down and step inside, um, and by mind you, the last thing I told my wife was, I love you. So she asked me, she was like, I, I, I literally was on the phone with my business partner, uh, my business associate, Robbie Jackson. And I was like, hey brother, I'll call you right back in 10 minutes. And told my wife, she was like, don't forget to drop off my AirPods because she was getting ready to go to the gym. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'll call you right back, baby. Um, and then that never happened. I went to go step in. As soon as I did, the last thing I remember was trying to grab something. I mm -hmm. fell all the way down, oh. almost 25 feet, landed on my back. And I suffered. I'm not doing work text, guys. <laughs> that would probably impress her if I was. February 27th. 9.15 a.m. I fell through an attic, three days in a medically induced coma, 12 total days in the ICU, 18 days in the neurology department, two emergency surgeries on my spine and my foot because my spine was broken four places, wow. 24 days in TBI rehabilitation hospital, and I was supposed to be in therapy for eight months after that. I went for eight weeks and got discharged. Traumatic brain injury, brain injury epidural hematoma, multiple brain contusions, multiple skull fractures, 20 staples in the head, blood transfusion, broken spine in four places, emergency spinal fusion surgery to fuse the thoracic, 12 through lumbar, two to stabilize the spinal cord, broken right foot, surgery to put a plate in 16 screws, 34 stitches, and that's just wow. how it went. Yeah. Wow. I got this. <laughs> I got the scars to prove it, but if I stand up here and take off my jacket, Miss Kimberly can like, Terry, this isn't going to podcast. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. So I like had a 1% chance to live and a 4% chance to walk again. And I can, I'm 100% cleared. Yeah. I mean, you're walking, you're moving. Yeah. And so let's go back to those days in the hospital. Um, you're in the hospital. You're obviously in a coma for a while, and you get, you come to, I don't know if you remember anything from, you know, mm -hmm. the doctors talking to you about your prognosis, um, let's kind of talk, you know, through that. So when I got hurt and, um, a buddy of mine was actually there helping hold me until the ambulance came because he called, they called 911 and they're like, you cannot let him get up and try to walk because right. he's not paralyzed. He will be. Right. Or there's a high possibility that he could. And I remember I've talked to paramedics and sitting there like it looked like a crime scene. Oh, wow. And uh, it was just bad. You could imagine blood everywhere. Just, hmm. But whenever they were trying to get me, I was screaming, I can walk. And they're like, this guy's definitely was in the Marines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you veterans know how it is. You never want to ask for help for anything. And um, the same way I went to the hospital, didn't remember anything. I woke up when I finally woke up from what, and I didn't remember a lot at first, you know, my brain got hit really hard Yeah. when I finally woke up and I saw everyone's there. I was like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? I didn't know what we were doing or why we were there or what had happened to me. And for the first, I would say three or four weeks, it was just in and out of unconsciousness, getting put to sleep a lot for a bunch of surgeries, mm -hmm. MRIs, CT scans, you name it. And then I've stayed a month at one hospital, uh, Plano Presbyterian, yep. and that's where they did my spine surgery. They called people in. I had the best of the best trying to work on me. And then I got transferred to um, Baylor Scott and White Frisco mm -hmm. rehabilitation and neuro program. I cannot say enough things about this hospital. Dr. Lowe, 
Um, he's the smartest human being I've ever met in my life. Wow. And I remember when I first came in, uh, my wife told me about this and I was like, big like I remember, he was like, how old are you, son? And I told him, I think I'm 36. And he said, no, you are. I was just wanna see if you knew it. And uh, he was like, well, when I get done with you, you're gonna be better than before you got hurt. And I said, well, the other people said I wasn't gonna make it. He's like, we're not gonna lose you. Plus you're a fighter. Cause and most people in your situation, they would have already got took the ultimate rest. So I cannot say enough things about that hospital and how amazingly they treated me. Oh. And just the nurses, the staff, like they truly cared. And, uh, you know, I'll get into it later, but that truly helped me stay alive. I and obviously the number one, God's grace, you know? Oh, definitely. The prayers. Yes. I I think, you know, the power of prayer is so unbelievably strong. Um, and I'm a firm believer of that. Um, been a witness um, of so many mir miracles. Um, and you're one that we're sitting here, you know, with the power of prayer and the perseverance that you had. Um, and you, in those days that, you know, what were, what was going through? I know you were in and out, but you know, what, do you remember what was going through of, you know, what your ultimate and what was keeping you focused on? I know we're supposed to wait. I'm going to take a sip because it gets me a little. <laughs> it gets you a little checked up. I, it's understandable. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful to be alive, you know? Oh, definitely. And like I said, I, I played college football. I was in the Marines in actual combat. Right. You know, like wasn't sitting behind the desk. I was in the infantry. So like I had always a toughness and resilience about me. And my dad said it's now he's like, look, everyone knows you're tough. Mm -hmm. Stop proving it. Your resume is good. He, we joke around a lot, but he's like, you don't got to do anything else. We all know you're <laughs> tough. But what happened when I finally woke up and realized what was going on, I was just so, and I know this is going to sound bad. I felt like my injury was just like, it was an inconvenience to a lot of people, like family that at the time that probably hadn't budgeted to fly in was flying in to see me, oh. driving in to see me. My business partner, Jamie Stagg, as soon as he got the call, he immediately got in his car, drove to the airport because he's in Utah, okay. where the nationwide company, our headquarters is in Utah, okay. and called his wife and was like, hey, Terry fell, it's bad, book me a flight, I'm headed to the airport. Just left him what he had on and brought his laptop. Wow. Didn't even have his undergarment. She had to call Lululemon to send him some clothes <laughs> when he got here. Um, but it was just like, man, how, and then I felt bad because I missed my honeymoon, which we did get to go on later. And I'll talk about that. And my little girl, she was two years old. She just turned two, but at the time she was one and a half. And you know, her at the hospital having to see me like that. And I was worried about, you know, in, even in the hospital, I was like, what's going to happen with business? Because I'm not there to run the show right. what, on my, in my end and what my department is. And I was just like, all these thoughts were just so overwhelming. And then I was just like, I didn't know if I was going to live or die. Like the first 10 days, I think I was in the hospital. They told my wife every night, he ain't going to make it through the night. Oh, wow. And then I knew it was bad when family started coming. I was like, these people didn't even show up to my wedding, <sighs> but they're here. I was like, yeah. why are they here? Not like I'm not happy to see them, but I was like, it was just so overwhelming, Kimberly. Right. And, you know, the fact that God sought to keep me here is just a testimony of the prayers work. They were not only heard, but they were felt. And I can get into this, but the doctors said they had never met someone with such a resilience to live because they said that does play a big part. Like if you want to just give up, mm -hmm. that's one thing. But I was like, I can't. Plus, as you Marines know, they would have been like, Placker, let an addict take them out. <laughs> uh-uh. You got to do better, buddy. Right. But it was just, it was just so much that went on. And this is, I've had so many times and offered to speak about this and go to 
and speaking engagements, and you're the first opportunity I've taken. And I, I truly respect everything you do in the community. So it might not be perfect, but it will be raw and real. No, yeah. no, I think it's that reason, you know, what you said, um, you know, that perseverance to live. Yes. You know, you, and you, know, you have so much more to give um, to everyone out here. And so, and again, you're also thinking, um, my family, I mean, I've got, you know, a wife, I've got a daughter. I want to, yeah. you know, I want to see her grow up. And so that, you know, really encouraged and kept you going mm -hmm. every day. And, you know, during, you know, when you were in the hospital and that hospital stay, you know, how was, you know, were you kind of setting yourself, you know, as you got, I mean, I know the first 10 days was a little different, but yeah. after you got past that threshold, you, your continuous, like, did you kind of set your mind to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, and kind of get yourself in a routine to. Yeah. When I finally got to the second hospital and it was hard because I would hear my wife, you know, going back and forth with the VA on the phone. Cause at first they didn't want to pay for certain things. Right. And like the hospital that I went to Baylor Scott and white Frisco, I mean, the cost to go there is outrageous. Right. And so they finally got me in the hospital plan of Presbyterian. They were like, look, y'all got to take them. We can't keep them alive here. Yeah. So I finally got in and I was so, I remember that was the first time I was so happy to be going to the better, to this hospital that, um, focuses on that stuff. Right. Um, with, you know, brain injuries and everything like that. I was so happy to go there. As soon as I got there, I just felt. Like I know once, if I can just get there, I'll be good. And then I could start remembering things. So I could remember when my friends would come see me or, you know, uh, coworkers and colleagues would come see me. And like I said, at the, at the hospital, like if I wanted to pray, they were there, like just anything I needed, I could never bother them. I could never push the button enough and someone would rush into my room to make sure I was Aww. okay. So and then my family would be, my wife and my, my daughter, she was, she's in an, uh, a private private school but she'd be up there every day, all day like that with me. There's so many pictures of me holding her. I don't remember all of them, but you know, it's just, I knew I was like, I cannot let this happen. And my parents, I had a little brother pass away a few years ago and I was like, they can't lose another son. They can't, wow. you know, to a tragic accident. And that's what I was just like, you know, my wife, her dad had passed away when she was eight years old. And I saw she, I saw what she went through when she told me the story about how her, her mom and her had to deal with that, mm -hmm. I did not want my wife and daughter to have to go through that. Right. You know, so it was just a lot of, I always tell people when your why is strong, the how is easy. Yes. And there was a lot of why to, why to keep, keep these eyes and the heartbeat ticking and opening up every time, you know? Definitely. And I think, you know, again, you've, you saw there, you have a purpose, you have a purpose here and um, to give, you know, to give back and not just, you know, your family, but, even a more of a purpose, you know, to really, you know, and I always um, also say is, you know, when you get that second chance, you know, giving back and, you know, we kind of talked about that part of your, um, you being up here is that you wanted to share your story for others that are maybe out there, mm -hmm. you know, have, you know, going through maybe they're in a situation where, you know, it's a life and death situation or going through some things that they just don't know if they can make it. You know, you're a prime example of your, your perseverance to really fight. A hundred percent, really. And you know, the thing is, I've, I told God, like, if you can get me out of this one and I should have, I mean, I've had so many times that there were close calls, you know, all these combat right. deployments, I won't get into all that, but this is like probably like my seventh chance. 
And I know I'm here to do something special yes. because the good Lord could have called me home at any time he wanted. And, you know, it, it was just so crazy because I wanted to share my story. Like, I don't need to be paid to speak. All right? right. I do well for myself. I would speak for free. Like, I'm just happy to go talk and let people know, like, I promise you, like, I will never can really be in the Starbucks uh, complaining about a long line. I'm like sitting in my nice truck, listening to some Toby Keith <laughs> and a, paying for a coffee that I don't really need. Right. That's not a bad day. No. I, the things that I thought and would be complained about, because I, I know what it's like in the military being deployed and having family and not having showers, you know, fighting with the enemy all the time. But then when I came back and then my life got great, you get a little bit, I hate wearing this word, complacent and comfortable. Yeah. And then you forget what it's like to suffer. Right. And then so everything is just peachy. Right. And then after this, just things that I would complain about or think like, I'm just like, you're not having a bad day. Because I promise you, just like you probably, you do, like everyone yeah. knows what a bad day feels like. Right. So I will never complain. The smallest things now, they just roll right off me. Yeah. Yeah. And I thank God for that perspective. Um, but I also think like, I was moving too fast. Business was booming. Like everything was going. And when I got hurt and came home, I know this is going to sound rough, but it's raw and real and transparent. I spent more quality time with my wife and daughter when I was laid up on the couch for two weeks because I couldn't walk or two months because I couldn't walk than I probably had in the whole six months to a year before because I was forced to be in that moment. Right. And I understood like the presence because when I was on the, them telling me you might not live and I could hear them talking, I was like, all I was like, I should have spent more time with my family. Mm -hmm. I'm out here trying to build something. I get it, but always make time for the people that mean most to you. And I, that's what yeah. I can, can't stress that enough. No, and I agree with that. I think sometimes, I know it sounds really bad, but we, in our lives, and just as people in general, we get so caught up. We get caught up with our work. We get caught up with just, you know, maybe our work and success and doing this and doing that. And we forget what's really important, which is our family. And where we're going to really make our marker is our own, you know, people aren't going to always remember you because you did this in sales or this and that, mm -hmm. but they are going to remember you because you were that caring father, that um, caring husband, um, you gave back to the community in these different ways. That's what they're, I mean, you kind of, this sounds morbid, but you kind of look about what are people going to say at your eulogy? Mm -hmm. um, it's the the characteristics of you, not that you were the superstar, you know, in your you know company or business and stuff. And they're going to, you know, the markers that you made on other lives. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Let's give our audience some things, you know, some tips and what you, you know, there's people, especially those people that are maybe suffering something right now, you know, your tips to them. I feel like if you are suffering anything, reach out to those you love and just always remember the power of prayer is unreal. Um, I mean, I'm not the only miracle that's walking around and there's so many stories and, you know, things that could happen. Mm -hmm. So if you are going through something, just remember attitude of gratitude and just have the faith. You cannot lose your faith. Something I used to say in the Marines that stuck with me my whole life is you always just stay in the fight. As long as you're still, as long as you still have air in your lungs and a heartbeat in your chest, you always have a chance to win. You may not win that battle, but you can win the war. And, you know, when I had gotten injured, it was such just, I had never been hit like that before. I've right. never been unconscious like that. Like, 
it was just absolutely insane. But one thing that I'll end it with is because I, I promised God, I was like, I'll tell this story. Whenever my little girl was, when we found out we were pregnant, we took the pictures, we did everything. We're supposed to have identical twins. I was so excited, did the announcement. The doctor said the two heartbeats. It was safe to announce, everything was fine. And then a couple of months later, we go in for an ultrasound and they told my wife and I that there's only one heartbeat. And uh, I didn't know about this, but it's called vanishing twin syndrome. Mm -hmm. When there's two babies in the same sack, one may get more nourishment than the other one. So our little sweet Kaisley, she's here. She's amazing. If she was here right now, she would have done, <laughs> took the TV and flipped it up and ran all over the place. She's, she's adorable. But, you know, so one of them obviously didn't get to make it. And then when I first got back from Afghanistan, they make you stay at the, and in California, where I was in Camp Pendleton for about a month before they let you go home, everyone's got to just calm down and just like, you can't go straight from, I was in war for 14 months to, okay, let's go home now, right. go to Applebee's. No, yeah. that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so I was a week away from finally going home. And then I had talked to my little brother. We we're going to finish our conversation the next day. I was planning on calling at 7 p.m., had my alarm set. I was leaving the gym. My mom and dad called me, hysterical, crying, screaming. I was like, what's going on? And she was like, Joseph's dead. And he had gotten hit. He was walking on the road and got hit by someone texting and driving and he got ran over and instantly gone. Right. And it was just always stuck with me that I never got the chance to say goodbye to him. <laughs> and then when I was in the coma and God is my witness, whenever I came out of the, when I, they put me in a deuce coma, when I came out, my wife and I can remember this part, my wife and them say that I was, I kept asking and asking. I was like, where's my brother? So I told my mom and dad, go get Joseph. He's downstairs waiting for us. Then my little girl came in and I said, where's the other one? Cause my little girl's name is Kaisley and my other daughter, her name was going to be Paisley. Oh, wow. And, uh, I was like, where's the other one? Someone go get her. And my wife was like, we just have Kaisley. It's like, no, the other one, go get her. And even when I went into Baylor, Scott, where Frisco up until like a month before they let me out, maybe it was three weeks, mm -hmm. they would like, Terry, how many kids do you have? I'm like, I have two little girls. And I would be like, they'd be like, well, wh what about your siblings? I'd be like, I have three brothers. They'd be like, you, just, you don't have two. I'm like, no, I have three. The doctor came before, about a week before I got out. He sat me down. He was like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. He goes, I feel like this happened. And I talked to the therapist that was there. And these were super established therapists. And they were like, this has happened so many times to people. And I've never heard about it until then, because obviously it looked researching how you feel in a coma. Right. No one would do, you know what I mean? But they said, you saw something when you were in an induced coma because your levels were so low. You're basically just right above barely breathing. Right. You know, they take yeah. you that low. And I'm not saying that I saw God or anything like that. I wish I would have. Maybe I did and he just didn't let me remember it. But when I was in the coma, I was somewhere and I saw my brother. And to this day, if you gave me a sketch artist, I can tell you exactly what he was wearing, exactly what he looked like. Wow. And then he had a little girl with him and she looked just like my daughter, except she was, had darker hair. And I knew who she was. And she came up to me and she's like, daddy. And I was like, Paisley. And I talked to my brother and I was like, I'm sorry guys. No, no. And I was, this is the first time I've told this live. Oh wow. Yeah. And I was like, I talked to my brother and I gave him a hug and I'm like, what is this? And he was like, this is where we are. 
and he showed me where like there's like I remember it was like a waterfall and he's like this is where we play and this is where we can see you and I didn't see myself but he said we can always check on you and he was just telling me he was like whenever you guys pray always mention us because we can hear and see everything and then I talked to my little girl and he was like yeah when she came here she already knew exactly what I was she went straight to me she knew I was her uncle and then I was with them forever and I was in the coma for I don't know how many hours but I felt like I was up there forever right oh when in when in this in this place and I remember when it was time to leave, my brother came back around the corner. He was like, hey, you have to go now. And I was like, no, I want to stay here. Yeah. And then he literally said, he's like, God's got enough Marines at the gate. We don't, you don't need right now, but we don't need you right now, but we'll see you again. So I said, bye. I, I'm telling you, Kimberly, I can feel wow. the hug that I gave her. I could feel the sweat on my brother's face against my skin. So when I came out of the coma, I thought that they were like, I was, I was yeah. just with them. Wow. Where are they? You know? And I, I, when I got to the hospital, they ran all kinds of tests on me. I had the craziest because it literally cost 1.5 million to keep me alive. Wow. I had the best of the best in there. And I had the craziest testing and they were like, this guy's not lying. There's no way he should be able to remember something this, vi this vivid. He could tell it forwards, backwards. They'd wake me up at different times, tell, okay, what happened? And the story would spot on every time. They're like, he shouldn't be able to remember that unless it really, he, he really thinks he saw that. And then I had a therapist and it was Kevin. He was like, this is not the first time I've heard of something like this when people come out of comas. And I always tell everybody, I'd always used to ask God, use me. And you know, you can't be like, Hey God, use me for something. and be like, well, let me tell you how I want you to use me. Right. You know? So I was like, after what happened to me, how many people lost their faith and look how much they believe again, you know? Yeah. So even if it's just one person, somebody got saved, Yes. you know? So I feel like to be honest, God used me in that way and kept me alive and allowed me to see that that was his little gift to me His Hey, let me throw you a bone. You took this hit. I'm going to keep you alive and I'm going to let you see something. And if anything, like I would gladly take that hit again, just to see them again like that. And it was just so amazing to see them. And I feel like that was my reward for going through that and being a testimony for him mm -hmm. to see what, look what God can do. So to get that chance, and like I've said, I'm not saying I saw God himself or anything like that, but I know where I was and I saw, and I'm telling you, you give me a sketch artist. I can tell you exactly what they were wearing, exactly what they look like. Wow. And it was just so worth it. Cause you know, I got to come home and give my parents a little bit of closure saying that I know where my brother, or know where my brother is. And I was telling my wife, I was like, Paisley's so beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, so, was, uh, it was, it was probably closure to, for know. everyone to see that, to know that, you know, everyone's doing okay. Yeah. And you know, it's, you know, it's, I don't under, you know, sometimes we can't understand, but there might've been the reason your brother was supposed to go first and he was supposed to be the one yeah, to take Yeah, and I care. had a hard time dealing with it because I'm like, how have I been to Iraq and Afghanistan so many times? Yeah. And then he gets hit like this. And like, if anything, every time I deployed, we always knew it was, our, it was, it was a possibility like, yo, this might be, I might not make it back. But right. how much of an honor it is to go out for your country with your finger on the trigger. Like that's the most honorable way you can go out in my opinion. Like. You know, so um, to see that though, and to come back and be able to remember it, I feel like that's another gift that God gave me because I can remember it as clear as day. And I would tell this wow. to the doctors and everyone, and um, they would just be like, wow, I'm actually going back on the 25th of this month to do, they've picked me to do the alumni to go talk to injured patients. I can go up there about once a month and see everybody and just always tell them thank you, you know, because they really stood by me. But to see that and to know that I feel like that was a blessing I had to see yeah. that. And I just will never take that for granted, you know?
Well, I, this has been just a wonderful story. And I'm so glad that you were able to share this with the viewers. Viewers, I mean, uh, you know, all I can um, conclude is that power of prayer, mm-hmm. you're seeing it right here. Um, and I wish you all the best on you. I know you're still dealing with recovery. And yeah. so I want to cheers to you, Terry. Um, uh, you know, continue this remarkable recovery and keep spreading your word and keep sharing it with everyone. I will. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as well as Kimberly's YouTube channel. If you'd like to contact Kimberly directly, you can email her at KimberlyWoodard at Ebby.com or call 214-632-2092. We hope you enjoyed our guest this week. And remember, don't just love your home, love your community.